morning, good evening, wherever you might be. Today is the 5th of April, which is Easter Monday. We are taking our walk as we duly do every single day, but uh, having a problem seeing right now because the sleet is smacking us in the eyeballs. Uh, yesterday, Easter Sunday, was a, a warm day to say the least. I actually got a sunburn my face and my legs because we, we went to my sister's house we social distanced um, outside that's allowed now that's allowed now and out so uh, the sun was shining it was warm got a nice sun sunburn today the sleet is coming down and we all wrapped up again and uh, yeah so this is officially episode 4 because uh, episode 3, although it hasn't been downloaded yet, I thought I'd lost it and I just found it again. So we'll have to upload those as soon as we get back to the house. Um, so I was going to call this episode 3.0 but it's clearly episode 4 now. Um, over to you. <laughs> so what would you like me to say today? I'm like freezing right now. Freezing right now, yeah, well... Um, yeah, just got some snow in my mouth. <laughs> so, we're so on our. Let's talk about the swans, right? So, did anybody know, or does anybody know, that swans actually made for life? Right, they partners forever and ever and a day. And what that means is, when the mate loses its partner, it actually pines after it. So, this morning, <clears throat> I saw a post on Facebook about this poor lonely swan and uh, teardrop lakes which is where we frequently walk um actually we're walking now and uh, edward is his name his mate was killed last week and uh, yeah show me he's now pining after his friend I thought he was sick. yeah so they're gonna the swan rehabilitation center is gonna try and um, introduce him to woolen lake um, and see if he can't find a new mate but Apparently, according to Ethan, that doesn't happen. Like they they have one mate and that's it. So yeah, according to our son, he uh, he says if a swan loses its mate, it literally could commit suicide. <laughs> It'll fly up and then just drop. Yeah, we haven't seen that happen, but we haven't been observing them that closely. So, but yeah, I thought it was an interesting fact because we see them. There's so many of them around here. I had came about is that somebody was walking along and they saw this one and they thought he was sick um, and then they called in a, a, some help and it turns out it's because his mate died so he was actually just sad not sick I think it's sweet so yeah anyway it's the Monday um, we're taking a, a walk now uh, we're walking to the, the train station where uh, once, once a week Costa Coffee on our walk Habit thing happens. Um, not to say we only drink Costa coffee once a week, but <laughs> normally on a Sunday we'd go for a walk uh, from around Teardrops and eventually get to the station and buy a cup of coffee and then walk back again. It's probably about a 6k round trip, but yeah. So we're doing it today instead of yesterday because of the, the bra we had, uh, and that brings us onto the bra. We had our first vegan bra yesterday. <laughs> So my sister and her family had the vorse and the chops and the Thanks and the burgers and all of that and it was very tempting to actually have some but um, you know we're sticking to our principles. Our kids had some meat 
because they just couldn't hold back. But They've decided they're flexitarians. Yes, that is a word. You do get flexitarians and apparently being a flexitarian makes becoming vegan a little bit of an easier transition. So every now and again they they what are you would they have meat. So yeah. Yeah. Although our youngest did uh, he enjoyed the taste but he did feel bad <laughs> for eating it. Because yeah. the whole point of it is it's the, the cruelty to animals and the survival of the planet. Which is why we're doing it. I mean that's that's pretty much it started off as a health reason but uh, to see if we could live any healthier than we were already. But uh, it's turned still, into more of a humanitarian issue. We still eat chocolate, guys. Don't for one second think that we don't eat the good stuff. But uh, we have found alternatives. So Pure Heavenly is 100% vegan. And there's no egg, no milk, no dairy of any kind in terms of whey proteins or anything like that. And it's actually really, really tasty. Um, so that's now our chocolate alternative when we are going to But I think the funniest for me yesterday <laughs> was Adrian freaking out about our butternut, our stuffed butternut people, being <laughs> on the bribe with, with meat. He thought we were going to be like funny about it. But we weren't. It's not like we're allergic to meat. We still like the taste of meat. We would love to eat it. But it's just a, a life choice that we've made now. Um, because our eyes have been opened. And it's just we feel is the right thing to do. Anybody seen Sea Spiracy yet? Yeah, that's a, that's a tearjerker of note. There's so much we don't actually even remotely comprehend goes on. We were chatting about it yesterday at the bar and it's like ostrich syndrome or being blissfully unaware blissfully, uh, ignorant. blissfully ignorant makes it uh, makes it okay to still yeah. eat what you want and do what you want but you know like I said for us I mean we'd love to eat meat we really really enjoyed the taste of chicken and, and borscht and burger patties and all the rest of it uh, the steaks and stuff here in England are probably for us not as palatable as, as we enjoy it in South Africa because it's just a different type of meat. Um, the cows obviously But for us it is like I said it's a it's a humanitarian thing where if you watch movies or, or documentaries like Seaspiracy and Cowspiracy, it's not to defame anybody, it's just to bring people to awareness of how agricultural farming and fishing and, and all of those things are done and what the what the effects are of it. mind-boggling and it all comes down to a balanced ecosystem and we're taking the ecosystem out of balance and ultimately we're destroying our own earth and our chance for living a, a good life so that's why we're there and I think the scary thing for me when you watch Sea Spiracy is actually how much of a part the ocean plays in our overall well-being and if there's no more wildlife in the ocean then um, we will cease to exist because it actually does more for the air in terms of carbon dioxide and all of those good things um, through the ocean instead of um, if compared to the Amazon, put it that way. So, no sea life, no coral, uh, yeah. Fish. 
No fish. No humans. No humans. <clears throat> Easy as that. And unfortunately, the uh, the time is ticking and the clock is is set for in our lifetime where we might actually see that. Not to mention for our children, but just in our own lifetime. Yeah, 2030, people. 2030. Can you believe it? But yeah, you know what? <clears throat> There'll always be naysayers. But do yourself a favor, watch it. At least and come do, from an informed position. And do your research for yourself. And uh, yeah, I'd like to see something come on for my kids at least. Or while I'm still alive, actually. Uh, you know, there's a lot of endangered species that people are fighting for and, and doing stuff. I mean, rhinos for one. I mean, I love rhinos, I love the wildlife. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome, but all animals, all of them, all the species are interlinked and the ecosystem is so, uh, so sensitive that the loss of any animal, as much as you think, oh, well, when you go to the Cougar Park, for example, all you see is impala, impala, impala. You know, if they weren't there, there'd be the whole ecosystem would be out of balance and pretty much all your predators would disappear and uh, ultimately then yeah everything would be gone and it's the same in the oceans but anyway there is hope there's hope it's not all doom and gloom the thing is if you can just decrease how much how much you want to consume in terms of your meat intake and fish intake even a decrease in that's going to make a huge difference i mean there was there was one part in the movie or the documentary where they spoke about that exxon um, tanker that spilled near New Mexico, the Gulf of Mexico, that uh, as much damage as it did, it actually helped the, the, the wildlife or the fish life in that area to regenerate because people weren't fishing there. So fishing is actually a much more destructive practice than what an oil tanker can do. I mean they said what the oil tanker did in three months, a fishing boat can do in like a day yeah. in terms of the damage. So it's, it's scary stuff like that to actually just realize and think about. But like I said, it's not all doom and gloom. People start changing their habits and what they eat and what they demand. No demand, no supply. It's as easy as that. It's economics. And even if you can't say, well, I can't totally go off meat, well, don't. But at least try and source your meat a little bit more responsibly and just think about where it's coming from and who's doing it and where your milk and cheese and yogurts and all those things are coming from if you watch the movie Casperity it'll be quite quite well explained in detail and it might actually turn you from a from an omnivore into a herbivore if you like so yeah. anyway it's not what this episode is all about it's just something that we have become passionate about and I think it's a direction that our life has taken um, I always say everything happens for a reason and everything happens in its time and this is our time to do that uh, yeah we, we take it we'll go along with it we'll try and help as many people have a choice or make a make a choice by giving them information it really is up to everybody to do their bit but if you feel you can help the planet by recycling and, and using metal straws instead of paper straws and or plastic straws and if you recycle your rubbish and 
you know, all those things. This is how we started out as well. We thought we were making a difference. <laughs> but ultimately, it comes about that just by going vegan, you can actually decrease your carbon footprint 50%, and that's so much more than any of the other stuff is there. Not that the other stuff is unimportant, I mean, it's still important, and we do that as well. We're very conscious about what you consume, but ultimately, what you're eating is, is the biggest factor. I think what you need to say is that it's, it's easier than people think. Everybody's like, oh, it's, can't, it's, got, it's, like, it's so hard, and what do you do, and how do you do it, and recycling is a pain in the rear end. It's actually not to get used to it, and it's how you plan and be prepared. I mean, we've got three dustbins, one for bio, one for one for plastic and one for, for general waste and yeah, it's just, you know what, you've got to start small and build up. And uh, the transitioning of the eating thing is also not as difficult as it seems. Um, if you really want to go hardcore into it, like I did. then go and watch the movie. But apart from that, I'm actually working on an online course, a workshop on how to transition. So hopefully I'll uh, help some people make that move if they've chosen it to do it. Try and make it a little bit easier for them. Anyway, so I don't know. We're still walking. Our hands are cold. Holding the phone up because I don't have a microphone, so I hope the sound quality is good. But we're going to go... We're sort of halfway to our destination and we're heading. Uh, I can see one swan standing by the water. I don't know if that's the one that they spoke about or if he's actually been taken. He hasn't been taken, so that might be him. And uh, if this was a, a vlog, I would have showed you, but it's just this one standing on his own, picking his feathers. Well, there's a couple that, uh, I say a couple. Uh, two swans on a nest at, at uh, Firsten's and they've actually blocked them off and try to protect them to the best of their ability. Klaus can't decide which direction he wants to no, go. I can, it's just that Laura doesn't want to go my way. <laughs> it's her way or the highway. That's how it should be. It not so? Yes ma'am. Have you not learned this already after 18 years of marriage? No, I have. Quite. The hard way. <laughs> so another thing they do here, guys, is magnet fishing. Yeah, well, we're just coming up to the weir of uh, where Teardrops goes into the little river. And we saw guys here the other day with magnets standing on the side here, just pulling the magnet with a rope into the water and pulling out whatever they can. And then at first, and as well on the bridge that we crossed, uh, there was a couple of guys there the other day, the one... Had a, a, a magnet, and the other guy had like this massive grappling hook, and they pulled out. They thought they had something big, which they did, but it was a concrete block that they, <laughs> that they pulled up out of the water. Yeah. So yeah, I've seen it on YouTube before as well in America. It's the first time we've seen it here, yeah, but you know, here when the sun comes out, it's like flipping. It's like uh, what you experience in South Africa after the rain with the flying ants. They literally come out in millions of droves and stuff and, and literally, yeah. But we had this last week, obviously had, we'd had two days of sunshine earlier in the week and then yesterday was pretty warm and people just flock. I suppose everybody is desperate for a little bit of warmth and sun and vitamin D.
and uh, enjoying the out. The only problem is that uh, the rubbish and the stuff afterwards is also not everybody is as responsible as we'd hope in cleaning up after themselves. You know, we thought it was a little bit better here in, in the UK than it was in South Africa. And it is in comparison, if you have to draw up a comparison, but it's still, you see a lot of rubbish and stuff lying around after the fact. Yeah. The difference is it gets cleaned up really quickly afterwards. I mean, a couple of days later and there's nothing. So the... Uh, yeah, because you guys, we, had, we have gypsies, right? And... Uh, <laughs> so let's just explain what gypsies are. It's people that go running caravans and yeah. literally from town to town and... It's a bunch of caravans together and families living there and they've got like a working van and then they'll do some Gardening. maintenance work of some sort. But they, this time around, they were quite a few of them and on our route to Teardrop Lakes, they sort of stopped off along the side and we've seen them before. Um, they've been there a couple of times, but this time around, they made an unholy mess. I, I seem to think it's because governments have said they can no longer just stop off wherever they they want to. It's no, it's no longer permitted. Uh, but if I tell you, chairs, nappies, bottles, cans. They made fireplace. Oh, that was disgusting. And then they left some of their, I mean, they obviously do work, like construction type work, and they left a lot of their materials and stuff that they used or taken out, and that type of rubbish just left lying around. Yeah, not great. So, not cool, not cool. But it was cleaned up a couple of days later. So. Well, we did have one reported incident uh, the other day after the first bit of sunshine we had at Thursday. But that evening, there was a, a whole commotion with police and a helicopter flying around, and and it was reported on the Milton Keynes no, group. On. As sappers were like, oh, there's a heli helicopter flying around. We're like, okay, we ignore it. Meanwhile, it was a stabbing at first the lake between teenagers, an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. Seems to be like a gang-related thing. So there are there are gangs and stuff here. I mean, we generally don't see much of it because we're not involved in in that group or anything like that. But this was now out in the open, and it became a big, a big thing. thing. Yeah. And uh, police forensics were there the next day. Everybody was like on the green lawn and having their little picnics, including ourselves. Watching the forensics guys do their thing. <laughs> yeah. Watching CSR be CSR. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, a day or two later, they were gone again. Yeah. It's all back to normal. So there is crime and stuff that happens here. Just, it's not as targeted and violent as, as what we're used to in South Africa but you're not going to get away from it in the world oh, yeah, now, now we're walking up this pathway they call them uh, the footpaths or the redways and there's patches of grass and just out of nowhere you'll see a bunch of tulips popping up and on this specific area there's like about 20 or 30 bunches just growing out of the lawn, basically. Those aren't tulips, those are buttercups. Or buttercups, sorry, tulips and buttercups. They're flowers in the wild. Wild. <laughs> in the open. So, I think I'll leave this for the next episode. We're making kombucha. Okay, so that'll be a highlight for us to talk about in our next episode. 
our kombucha uh, uh, and brewing and fermenting. And what we'll do is we'll take a couple of picks of teardrops and furs in and the flowers and whatever and we'll tag it on our page just to give you guys a bit of context about the areas we walk and talk <laughs> and ramble. Okay, well my fingers are freezing right now so I'm gonna stop this recording and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Hopefully you guys are enjoying whatever you're doing and uh, we're providing you with some value and information that might be helping you if, if you're making that decision or perhaps we're just entertaining you with some shit that we're talking about <laughs> and uh, yeah see you guys in the next one toodles cheers <laughs>